City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Uh, City Limits on May Day, and uh, happy May Day to all our listeners and to everyone in the studio. And uh, we're um, today, because three, well, we're doing a special May Day edition of this program, we're going to talk about some industrial issues in the first half, but it's also our transport day. John McPherson's here. Hello, folks. More importantly, Eugenia Zubchenko's over there pressing buttons. Hello. Which keeps us going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Kevin Healy, and um, this is City Limits, and we're going to be talking about transport. Well, we are going to talk to, to the... Um, well, hopefully at this stage, I think we will be talking to um, an organiser with the locomotive division of the mm-hmm. Rail Bus and Rail Tram and Bus Union, because um, recently they've discovered that Metro has been underpaying workers and owes millions, or more than a million anyway, to workers, plus the union currently has a claim on a 6% pay right. rise, which the Herald Sun thinks is outrageous. <laughs> uh, and um, oh, and the, the government has a 2% upper limit it just imposes right. you know you can't give them more than two percent yeah. in the public sector yeah. and it does raise another interesting point john i mean mm. they're called public sector workers so they shouldn't give them more than two percent but they're claiming against metro and yarra trams who are private companies uh, that once again that that line gets yeah. blurred doesn't it oh it's part of this weird weird model modern world where you uh, have these i'm going to pour some tea while you're talking so. by the way yeah sure <laughs> thanks <laughs> no, right, yeah. welcome john <laughs> Tinkle, tinkle, tinkle. There <laughs> <laughs> we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love some tea, thank you. The modern, the modern world where these agencies, you don't know whether they're private or government or, uh, or what are they about. Are they about offering good service or are they about just making sure the profits keep, keep high for the, uh, for the um, you know, the voters? Or that one's easily the, answered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the tax, in to find out. I was going to say the taxpayers <laughs> because the taxpayers... <laughs> They get yeah. milked, milked by all and sundry. You could argue in, uh, in the modern world, and certainly with these agencies, yes. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. And we, we might even discuss an issue that, um, going back to, say, the Green Bands years ago oh. when the unions and communities worked together. And in the Save the Upfield Line campaign that I was involved in in the early 90s, again, yeah. the union sent a rep to every meeting and played a key role in the ultimate decision yeah. to save the line. So yeah. that whether we can get back to that, because I think we've lost it, that co- that contact between unions and community where we can all support each other. Well, it's been, it's been sort of deliberate, I think, the, the, the idea that, you, uh, that the unions become almost um, attached to their, to their uh, employer. You know, it's, it's, they become almost, dare I say it, like you know, employer-sponsored unions in some, mm. in some ways. It's not, not nice, and it's not nice to say, mm. but it's sort of the, the evolution I well, they're also. I mean, if you read the media, you think the unions are the most evil thing in the country. Yeah. <laughs> well, these days, well, these days they're pussycats compared to how they well, used to be. Right. And and when they, they were, you know, doing a good job of uh, making sure that the lowest, the, the lowest pay didn't get left behind. That's right. And look what's happened in the last two or three decades. Well, it goes back to the Hawke Keating era, of course, and they they brought in the idea that unions should. Uh, rely on the government to give them increases, etc. And uh, not only that, they weren't just not going for pay rises. They were, they were tra- Every time they got a bit mm. of a pay rise, they traded off another hard-worn That's right. condition. A so-called mm. efficient, efficiency and, dividend. Um, yeah. you know, until you get to the stage, there's nothing to trade off. And then yeah, they say, well, yeah. bad luck, you can't have a pay rise. Yeah. Um, just, uh, just on a couple of general matters, though, I, I thought it was fascinating that uh, Clive Palmer... <laughs> Um, said he was going to give his preferences to the Liberal Party because jo- uh, Bill Shorten was not morally fit to be Prime Minister. Yes. <laughs> and it, Well, I thought for a man who um, is spending his work, the work money he owes his workers on his own campaign, but never mind about that, not morally fit. But it struck me that if not morally fit was a criterion for being Prime Minister, you probably wouldn't have one. <laughs> certainly. I think that's, that's, that's arguably... <laughs> you'd be certainly arguable, yeah. Be, I mean, among those with the ambition that far exceeds their talents of actually want to be Prime Minister, I think it'd be hard for hard mm. for, you know, hard for hard to, to find one. To find one um, who'd, who'd meet a very strict, yeah, exactly, strict criteria. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, certainly not Clive. 
<laughs> he says he, he says he's going to be, doesn't he? I think he thinks. Yeah, he thinks he yeah, thinks he can parley right. prime minister from a senate seat. In, yeah, in with the mm, yeah, there was a very optimistic uh, full-page bright yellow ad in the Australian that I was reading this morning, <laughs> really? saying he will be, he will be leading the country. You're reading the Australian. Yeah. Oh, you should, oh. Jania, you shouldn't do that. Reconnaissance <laughs> for a man. You're who, out there on the edge <laughs> for a man who um, some weeks ago sent me a piece saying how much he loves women and he's done you know everything he's in the sense that he's done so much for them politically that everything that's good for women in this country is what Clive did when he was in Parliament, mm. according to this thing I got. Okay. He's wonderful. Mm. But he had a list of his state candidates last week. I they protest. Were Clive page. hasn't sent me anything. Well, I get it every week. But um, <laughs> he, um, he last week he had a full-page ad with his candidates and there were, um, I think, 47 candidates mm-hmm. listed, of which eight were women. So obviously all those men must be really dedicated to women's causes. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Let's not start on that. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Listen, um, the the latest figure from the Department of uh, Infrastructure, Regional Development, and Cities about money handed out in 2018. Yeah, you'll be stunned to know that 271,207, um, sorry, 271,207,685 went to coalition marginal seats. And one-fifth of that, 53, went to Labor marginal seats. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Um, but I think they, they, they've got it wrong because, in fact, um, $243.6 million, almost a quarter of overall funding from the department, went to the country seat of Indi, <laughs> which, um, of course, poor Sophie Mora Bellicosa um, won, lost the other year to the to the independent. The independent yes. that we know is retiring, which is being replaced by a we woman. We by yeah. another independent, yes, um, sponsored but, by the same. Yeah, you know, obviously. Now I'm not saying there's any pork barrelling involved here or anything like that. But <laughs> but um, <coughs> you would have thought they'd think that one through because if you get two forty three point six million with an independent, you'd think well it's worth having an independent, wouldn't you? Rather than mm. vote liberal when the mm. money will suddenly stop. Well. <laughs> In fact, that's right. But it is is correct though that independents who they think they might be able to knock off really get the money flooding in. You know, yeah. It's it, I think the same thing may have happened in the seat next door, the one one that covers Shepparton. The, that is the one, isn't it? Indo. No, no, Shepparton doesn't cover. Doesn't no, Indo's not in. Isn't it? Shepparton is not in Indo. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. you guys explain to me how that works exactly? Why does having an independent make oh, the well, money flood in? Well, because the government thinks. In some ways, that might be an easier seat for them to get because an independent right. arguably is sort of centrist, therefore not so far away from them. Therefore, if they flood the money, mm. they can pull a, enough votes off the, off the people who voted independent. Yeah. So that's yeah. money spent on the election campaign itself? No, no, well, this, will be, this will be straight pork barrelling, project uh, barrelling yeah. fixing up your sporting oval, yeah. painting a fence. Doing, doing, you know, some... Public some transport, u- perhaps? Some useful things, yeah. <laughs> no, well, a lot of them... No, are, no. I think I would argue... <laughs> yeah, Jenny has got it real wrong, hasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, tend to, it'll tend to be things that, that are quick and easy and obvious. Yeah, OK. Uh, I think <laughs> that's, that's cynical of me, I know. But in Indi, I think a lot of the money would have... They would be counting this money to try and fix up the railway line that goes up from Melbourne to Albury through the Indi yeah, right. seat where the services run by the state government have, have been very unreliable over the last few years. But the track itself is actually run, uh, op, owned by, owned, operated by a national um, organisation, the uh, ARTC, the Australian Rail Track Corporation. So I think they're probably counting a lot of money that's been spent through the Rail Track Corporation. Mm. Ah, so Eugenia might have been correct after all. Mm. Well, I, yeah. I slandered mm. her. Yeah. I was yeah. just being a bit optimistic. Perhaps doesn't happen in um, regional <laughs> Melbourne. But the irony there is that, that, um, that a lot of the money is being spent because you, the previous lot of money spent on the, on the fixing the rail track was spent very badly and didn't fix the rail track. Yeah. Okay, so, the, yeah. so the scream from, from the area has been such that they've kept pouring more, more money into it. Mm. 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 Yes, and uh, speaking of country, uh, Michael McCormick, the head oh, yes. of the the National Party. Um, now, this was a bit of a giveaway. I thought he said um, <laughs> he said that all decisions regarding water and water infrastructure would be quote based on best available science, not on political agendas. Now, 
I thought that not on political agendas was a bit of a giveaway, sort of admitting mm. that's what's been happening, that um, Barnacle and co. have been uh, handing it out to... Uh, no, that wasn't what he was saying at all. <laughs> wasn't it? Was, sorry, sorry. He was saying that that's what the evil, evil media had been accusing them of doing. Oh, right, OK, sorry, yeah, got that wrong. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it might have been a, a sort of... Uh, an indirect uh, confession, <laughs> but never mind. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, never, Kevin. Ne- in this country, never. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just to cheer people up, particularly Eugenia, who's going to live a lot longer than you and I, John. True, yeah. Um, Welcome da- to climate change. <laughs> yeah. Da- David Attenborough um, admits that, you know, he's 93 and he won't be around for that much longer. <laughs> But he oh, said he, tragic, he, he can't bear to think about Earth's future after he's gone, not not in a boastful sense, but no. just what's going to happen to it. He's seen more um, of it than most people. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it difficult to think beyond that as the signs aren't good, but he praised young people for appearing to take things more seriously. Young people may lack experience, but they also have clear sight. They can see perhaps more clearly than the rest of us who have been around for some time. My generation is no great example for understanding. We have done terrible things. Mm-hmm. So, um, right on, yeah. David Attenborough. There he is. Is, His latest um, ser- documentary series on Netflix is right. very yeah. excellent. Talks a lot about that, about the environmental yeah. degradation. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 He, he, I think, I, if I'm not, not misquoting him, he sort of stayed away from the climate change stuff for a long yeah. time, just sort of wanting to concentrate on showing how terrific our little blue planet is yep. in mm. the last few years. He seems to be really ramping yeah. it up, yeah. Well, his series on, on his series on, on reefs, coral reefs and barrier reefs, was, and he did a lot of it on the barrier reef, mm. you know, in that he stressed heavily the mm. impact of climate change and what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. photos of the bleaching is really yeah. Yeah, no, dramatic. He's a, he's a world treasurer, but gee, aren't we hard to, we're hard to shift? It's just, yeah. It's species <laughs> once we... Yep. Now let's get down to a bit of union and, and general business here. Um, right. Bill Shorten. Um, Him he, again. He's the Labor leader, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, business has been complaining a bit about his policies, which really hard to, I mean, That's good. I don't know what He'd they're worried quite, about. I think Bill would be quite happy. Sure, they've got nothing to worry about, but anyway, that's, they, they're saying that. Um, but he's assured his business that he would uh, work, for, work with it, but not for it. Now, this is the bit I really like. But he will not be beholden to the trade union movement. Now, that's a great start, isn't it, when the Labor Party was formed with the trade union movement to represent it in mm, Parliament. But anyway, yeah. um, but he said um, he, he, he would give business the tools to have profitable, productive, successful enterprises. And I thought one of the best tools he came up with the next day was saying he would pay the, pay the wages for workers, for employers, um, in the childcare industry, admittedly, but nonetheless, I mean, effectively, he's saying that saying we will give mm. give a pay rise to workers, but bosses won't have to pay it. We will. I don't think he quite said that. Yeah, well, he said could... there would be some, there would definitely be some negotiations involved. But he's, you know, he's promising government over and above any other increases they well, get. That's true. He did say that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, look, considering how how poorly childcare industry. Operatives are paid. You know, it is oh, they want—they need the money. There's no they question about it. Yeah, 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 they are one of the most outrageously. But it's only yeah. one of. But there are plenty of others as well. Is, yeah. is it just that industry that he's talking about doing that? At, the, mo- at yeah, the moment, right, but yeah, um, yeah. at the moment, but the next day, the Labor said it was open open to subsidising wage rises in other low-paid female-dominated professions. Female-dominated. So, um, but it, it yeah. is interesting, isn't it, that, that it is the female-dominated professions where the wages have, yeah. have stayed yeah. so low. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so, but maybe Bill's just saying what 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 looks obvious that the only way to sort out the mess is for government to get directly involved. Mm. There was an interview this morning on Radio National with an academic about uh-huh. that particular child yeah. care situation, yeah. uh, and she made the point that you know, as we know, last year they went to the the Fair Work Commission, and mm. they got they got rolled. In fact, mm. you know, seeking, and their decision was based on the fact they couldn't prove that they were being paid lower than men doing the same, because very few men do no, the same. Because no men do the um, job. Of and course. so it was a real catch twenty two legal situation. Forgive me, yeah. Kevin, but that's Jesuitical thinking, isn't it? Opinion. Isn't it? Absolutely. So, uh, she said they have to find other ways to uh, make yeah. their case. But that's because uh, that, that one's that, always going to fail. That is obviously that is obviously hokum, really, isn't it? That's just silly. I mean, the lawyers might. The lawyers might go, oh dear, we'll have to but, find a way around this. But I think that's just sheer hokum. And, yeah, uh, of course it is. But yeah. that's, uh, 
But you know, why should we rely on a, you know why should we rely on teams of lawyers in a courtroom to sort these things out? Um, well, we should <laughs> because we always we do because nothing <laughs> else seems to work. Because, <laughs> because, doesn't either. because we have because it was established that whole legal system, industrial legal system, was established to keep workers in their place. I mean, that's mm. just what it's all mm. about. But it's been uh, made it's yeah. been made more extreme, as we well know. Oh, absolutely! In with, more recent years, with good old Fair Work Australia, yeah, and um, well, yes, and um, yeah, the government promising the previous government, Labor government, promising to tear up work choices, but only tearing up the back paper. I mean, it, mm. all the things, all the things unions are now being charged with arise from things that Labor promised to tear up in twenty seven, mm. yeah. um, yeah. but they didn't tear them up. No, no. and um, they're now promising again to tear them up, but wait and see. I, know, I, I noticed say. people like Kevin Rudd now shake their heads and say, "Isn't it awful that wages?" Haven't gone up. Well, mm. you know, well he he was um, instrumental in making sure some of the tools that the <laughs> workers might once have used weren't were no longer available. Exactly, to, he, to lever their wages up. He recently said also the ALP should virtually get unions out of the way altogether. And, um, yeah. We didn't quite say that he wanted, but he said they should reduce their influence in, to about twenty five percent. Oh, okay, within the party. Twenty five percent of what? <laughs> well, well, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. ALP, it's yeah. Twenty five percent of zero. Um, still on industrial matters. There's a mob called Noni B, which is a fashion mob store, mm. and they have stores like Rockman's, Miller's and Rivers. I didn't know Rockman's still existed, actually. No. Miller's and Rivers, and they've just bought another one um, called Specialty Fashion Group, um, which has allowed them to cut staff, they say, they can you know, rationalise. But uh, this is, women who work for Noni B <clears throat> in Victoria and Queensland have echoed those in NSW who have spoken out about excessive workloads and not getting enough time for toilet breaks, including some complaining of urinary tract infections. Um, and wow. um, This is in the factory? This is in, oh, in the shop. Pro- and the shop. Um, or maybe one, a distribution centre? No, they're just no, shops. shops. One oh, said, okay. my shop is a very busy store. I can't get to the toilet and like the other girls, hold on for hours. I've often had urinary tract infections due Ooh. to this, which adds to my misery. Another woman oh, said her yes. shop was so congested with stock that she fell over and cracked her kneecap. Due to no toilet breaks and having to hold on, I actually landed in hospital with kidney and bladder-related problems. And the story goes on. Um, Noni B said it employs 7,000 staff around the country. Unfortunately, the union involves the shop distributor and allied employees, the shoppies. Oh, and so, abuse, yeah. you know, that probably explains why they're where they are. It's now What's the sad- history with them? Oh, they're a very right-wing union. That's, um, it's the one that did all the deals with Woolworths and Coles, which made workers worse off. Mm. Um, they and, always, um, they've always cozied up to the employee. So, um, in, in again, a very low-paid industry, which yeah. is re- retail, mm. which is female-dominated. But now they're mm. standing, sounding angry. Um, and also a member of the ethical resourcing team has been cut by Noni B, um, which, is, which we view the, where, mm. where the clothes come from mm. and, and source products, and the company remains totally committed to ethical sourcing. The safety and well-being of all employees are priority for the group. Well, of um, this, is, this is coming across. Well, if they treat their workers here like that, how mm. would they, what, how, what yeah. would they think of workers in Bangladesh in those slave factories? Mm. But anyway, um, if any team member has a problem, she should discuss it with her manager. Team. It's interesting that the, the the language they use in the quote team. is already gen- gendered. She, that's right. You know, she and team. That's women. right. Yeah, women. Um, oh so um, and the um, anyway, the SMH Facebook page has received hundreds of comments in response to a story published last week about staff who have complained about working conditions at stores in the Noni B Group. One said her daughter had worked for Millers and that staff arrived early and left late doing unpaid overtime just to try to meet demands placed on them. Two others said they had quit the company because of the working conditions. One suggested the company should change its name to No No P. <laughs> Another who said she worked for Noni B said she would ask the security guard of the complex to watch the shop for five minutes, etc., etc. So, you know, there's just... Right, well, so, so clearly they're running shops, shops with one staff member on, well, never, on yeah. duty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is a recipe for how on earth do you stop um, some some shoplifting going on. Yeah. 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 Which starters, yeah. Well, I was if you worked there or they treat like that, you wouldn't give a stuff, would you? You'd, well, you'd hand it to that's someone. The other. Um, but that's the other outcome. But you yeah, start, so I don't keep you, probably, over it. you probably start out trying to be conscientious, yeah. Well, they, they might probably then charge you for what was taken or something. Oh, well, that's pay. quite possible. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Who knows? I wonder what mm. the um, demographic mm. of these employees mm. is as well, whether they're young women or. 
older women yeah, or, you know, know because if they're yeah. people in their first ever job they also don't really know their rights and responsibilities and it's harder True. for them to advocate yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And this leads to this study. Uh, tired workers are as impaired as drunk drivers and are a danger to themselves and others, according to a new government inquiry. Um, and this was done by a group called the Appleton Institute. Uh, it suggested the costs in year period over 2016-17 was something around $24 billion of, um, of lack of sleep uh, with workers. And it points out that those places who have workers on work with ships and things where they work long hours and they're supposed to be productive, in fact, they're less productive. You know, we know that because of all that. But the... This um, mm. this survey shows that so in so many places and so many industries, workers are working long long shifts, and uh, says truckies were also flagged, with some drivers in Western Australia found to be working for 17 hours straight, taking few breaks. Being awake for 17 hours is the equivalent of being intoxicated at 0.05 percent. Oh, sleep researcher Dr. Mm. Ian Duxley. Oh, so um, yeah. So when you see those large trucks weaving on the freeway, there's a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. And similar to that, there's a, another report that says that um, now one in ten Australians have to have two jobs to survive. Mm. Um, wow. But in fact, um, many others you know, don't have the second job, but they can't survive anyway. But there's another study about people having more and more fallbacks trying to find other ways of getting money because their primary job doesn't pay enough. Um, and similar to that, there's another study that says um, job stress is emerging as a serious problem in Victoria's workplaces as new figures show that bullying, anxiety and exposure to trauma is driving up the number of WorkSafe claims. Mm. Almost 70 claims a week for workplace mental injury claims are now being lodged with WorkSafe. Some employees are so dedicated, so debilitated by job stress they can't eat or sleep and are physically mm. ill. It goes on again. Yeah, but yeah. That's yeah. good that you can... I didn't know that WorkSafe covered mental issues as well that's really great yeah. because yeah it is a massive factor lots of people are extremely stressed in their jobs yeah, yeah. to the point where it affects yeah. you know their life outside it's, of work um, i don't know if it covers it all that well mental, mm. mental issues but it does mm. does cover it to some degree. at least recognized yeah. 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 yeah yeah which is important <clears throat> um now a couple of i found interesting stories about um people reacting to Labor Party policies yeah. um, and to other policies, um, Labor's plan to slash deductions for tax advice would put impossible pressure on accountants to cut their fees and rush through work to avoid surp- surpassing the fee cap suburban accountants have warned. So yeah. they're all saying that we need, need we need to be able to keep ripping off and you're yeah. stopping us by putting a cap on how mm. much people can claim. That's, that's how much people can claim on their tax returns mm. for mm. accountants, mm. please. So the, mm. Oh, yeah. Kevin, we've just been talking about job stress. You don't want to put undue job stress on the accountants. <laughs> no, right. Poor dears. Uh, but this is, this one really worries me, and this, I must say this this is where a labour policy really you know, goes off the brace, rails. Brace yourself, everybody. Business is bracing. That's it, John. Business. Oh. It says, <laughs> well done. What a segue. Business is bracing for an unprecedented <clears throat> rise in the cost of weekend work if Bill Shorten is elected, as wages are expected to rise by up to 21% after July 1 if Labor proceeds with its promise to increase penalty rates. Now, hang on. When, when, <laughs> this is the Australian Retailers Association. Um, when they... When the government and the retailers cut the penalty rates, they said workers would hardly notice the difference. Um, that you know the yeah. minimal minimal loss. Um, that um, and then they'd be able to employ lots. Well, I couldn't even work this one out. They, they yeah. say the cost on sun on weekend <laughs> right. work was setting them broke, but then if they didn't have to pay penalty rates, they could employ more workers and pay them more. Now that that equation lost me a bit, but mm. their employers they know what they're talking about. Magical yeah. mathematics. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> well. Now, Nicely put. If if <laughs> if it's going if they're going to rise by up to twenty one percent, if if um, ooh, ooh, John, 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 oh, oh, dear, tut, tut. lucky it didn't oh, say rude nice. things. Um, <laughs> up by twenty one percent, if they have to pay penalty rates again uh, mm. that they lost, um, does that mean workers lost twenty one percent? Um, mm. Or not, John? I can't work it out. Maybe you're right about magical mathematics. Yeah, I wish uh, I had a little twinkly yeah, sound effect ma- I could play. Maybe <laughs> at maybe at one end, like taking it off the workers, it has an absolutely minimal effect. But giving it back to the workers has an absolute maximum effect on the employer. Maybe yeah, that's exactly. the answer. But you see, the, the, the magical ma- mathematics goes even further. If they paid the workers nothing, everybody would be employed. 
Oh, that's yeah. right. That's, 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 the, that's really their argument, and it's, yeah. it's a strong argument, I think. Um, you know, like when you hear employers claiming about unions and workers, you, you, you wonder, you think, why don't they just get rid of workers altogether and do it themselves? Kevin, let me tell you they're working on it. <laughs> you watch oh. out for your robotic coffee machine. It's coming, mm. I, oh, I can guarantee. Oh, you're okay. Okay, all right. Checkouts at Coles. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, Barista's are right. a thing of the past, or well, soon they will be. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's take a break, and we'll, at the end of the break, we'll get our um, oh, our, transport our hat guest, on. Our guest. We'll yeah. get our. Oh, actually, John, there are a couple of things. Yeah, let's though. do a little transport. Yeah. Kevin. Now you did want to talk about. Well, there was one. Yeah, there was a couple of things here I wanted to talk to you about. Actually, um, we, could, we, we could talk about Mikey and, and Opal in Sydney. Yeah, all right, Mikey and Opal, go on. Well, I've been been in Sydney in the last few days, and uh, I've been using their Opal card, which is their version of Mikey. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, it's a lot easier, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. won't surprise anybody who knows how Melbourne... Melbourne. Stunned, absolutely stunned. <laughs> the cards you just, you just get, you don't have to pay for. We heard a telephone ring in the distance, no? Okay. okay. Um, the cards you just get, you don't have to pay $6 for. And... The whole business of say things like topping up seems a lot, lot more, a lot easier. It's a lot more obvious how you do things like that. Keep talking. Kevin's keep, looking, keep talking. Kevin's I'm, looking I'm, really I'm, weird and stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Eugenia, tell me what you're trying to say. Do you want us to, uh, to ring the guest? No, no, no. I was just asking if you can close the door. Oh, I see. I didn't realise it wasn't closed. I, I thought. I thought all those. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Give us the signal again. I'll Sorry, everybody, for this interruption. Give us the signal again. I'll work out why it meant. Oh, right. Okay. That's oh, Okay. Now I get it. Go on, George. Sorry. Okay. My main point Opal. is Opal cards in Sydney seem to me to be a lot easier to use than Mikey in Melbourne. A lot easier in the way of you get hold of them. A lot, lot more obvious about how you top them up. When you go through the gates in and out of stations or on and off um, ferries and uh, buses, the amount of money left on the card comes up in large, easily seen digits on a readout. And all this happens fast. You don't have that awful feeling, as you do with Mikey, that you're holding a queue of people up while Mm. the thing does its thing. Uh, In general, a much much easier experience, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I've also been in Perth. And in Perth, they've they've also got a card card system. His name escapes me at the moment, but again, it seems to work better than ours. And our our system's been around the longest of any of these, and it's the clunkiest, and it remains the clunkiest, mm. in my view. Um, there are there are administrative things to do with Mikey, like you have to replace them every three years, and whatever it is, three or four years. I think it's four, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, but it's just. Just ridiculous. I mean, if the cards aren't used heavily, they're going to last for a decade. Mm. And if they do fail, you should be able to just go go easily to, to a counter and have it replaced. And have it replaced on the spot. But you can, mm. none of this happens in Melbourne. All this administrative silliness goes on behind the scenes, and it can only be, I, I think, to increase the administrative costs. So mm. the private company who provides the so-called system. Makes lots of money. Well, you've folks. got to go to a um, you've got to go to a staff station for a yeah, start to, yeah. if you want, even want to get the new one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I must say, uh, for a, with a seniors, Mikey, I've got uh, they do just replace it automatically. Mm. Um, but mm. you've got to go to a staff station to do that. Well, I ha- yeah, but the, yeah. but the thing is, the automatic it's it's the replacement is just so so ridiculous because mm. they all, don't they right. don't why, why do you have to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. they don't necessarily yeah. wear out um, no. after three years or four years. It's, no. it's, it's, um, uh, yeah. So we seem to have ended up with the most bureaucratic, costly to administer system, I would suggest. And the other thing, too, in Sydney, they have a, a graded zone system. So the, the cost of your ticket does bear some relationship to the distance you travel. Mm, which Whereas is, here, ours has lost all. It's a disaster. You go, yeah. go one station and you, get, mm. you have to pay the fare. Mm. And you can yeah. go, you know, yeah. whatever you yeah. have. Whatever. And why should you, you know, in Melbourne, start off with a free zone in the middle? Why shouldn't every trip, wherever you start, start with a few, with a few st- stations stops, being free? Yeah. That's so a good idea. So a local mm. trip can be free. Yeah. I try to make do that anyway. But well, uh, of course, because <laughs> <laughs> of course the, the zone system means that if you if you live in zone three and you're taking a trip a couple of stops in mm. zone three, then your trip is th- mm. through what three two and a half times more expensive than somebody who uh, lives in the other no, city. No, not 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 necessarily that much, but but 
you know, if you're crossing zone boundaries and things like that, yeah. you can you can pay a lot for a, yeah. for a short trip. And why shouldn't you get the benefit of a free a free start to your trip mm. if, if it happens in the city? You know, it's, it's all. Uh, right. There are all sorts of, I think, crazinesses about about mm. uh, about Mikey. So maybe them. leave it there, folks. But I will mm. say that on my local tram, there's clearly a lot of people deciding they want free travel all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, <laughs> let's get um, let's get the union on the line. Okay, back on city limits and um, Jim. Chrysostomu, the, um, the the Assistant Divisional Secretary of the Locomotive Division of the Rail, Tram and Bus Union is on the line. Jim, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Uh, um, recently I noticed that you've lodged a claim in the Federal Court for back pay for workers uh, working for Metro, where most of your workers would work, I guess, um, and you say, well, it, it says at the start 900 workers are owed more than 100, but you say um, the union has counted more than a million in outstanding pay for about 450 drivers going back as far as 10 years. What, what's the claim all about? Uh, well, it uh, relates to a condition under the Enterprise Agreement uh, that Metro have been underpaying for uh, up to 10 years um, and our estimation, uh, and we only recovered uh, the information on uh, less than half the members uh, was an underpayment to the extent of uh, 1.2 million. Good God, yeah. That's a, that's a lot of money. What, where's it at now? Is it still before the court? or uh, Federal court. There's a case management hearing in federal court on the 5th of June. Uh, so it sits with uh, Metro to put in a submission, the union to respond, uh, and then we'll go to uh, the initial hearing before it progresses to the, the actual hearing itself. Yeah, I noticed Metro claims it's, um, it's begun to back pay drivers who have it, it inadvertently, they're always inadvertent aren't they these back yeah. pages um, it didn't pay and it says as soon as Metro was made aware of this payroll issue, they're blaming a payroll issue immediate steps were taken etc so it seems to me that's Metro informing Metro of their own problem um, uh, That's, uh, look uh, they started to pay when we advised them that we were going to take them to court uh, we set out on our investigation over 12 months ago um, and it was their inaction that uh, uh, led us to lodge, uh, to uh, initiate proceedings in federal court. So uh, they had no intention to pay. Um, they made some uh, token payments to a few affected members um, and uh, all on them. So we gave them a reasonable amount of time to remedy the underpayment. They just did nothing about it. How, um, how long was that period of time, Jim? Uh, what was that, sorry? How, what kind of period of time are we talking about? Uh, we're looking over 12 months. So we set out in this... Uh, March last year, mm. uh, we wrote to them. Uh, we uh, gave them a list of affected members that we'd been advised that uh, had been underpaid. Um, uh, we wrote to them again uh, and again and uh, received the same response. Uh, it, uh, the uh, list of members that were affected increased and uh, we have uh, rights under legislation to enter the workplace and commence our own investigation and that's what we did. So it, it led to... Uh, a formal investigation uh, around about December of last year uh, into the new year, and that's when uh, the extent of the, uh, the problem uh, uh, became evident that was far widespread than what we initially knew. Mm. What, what are some of the conditions which have led to the back pay not being, or this money not being paid? What the... It's about a, a, a roster day off. Uh, so uh, it's the principle of additional day off uh, over a four-week period. Um, uh, like many industries have, construction industries, uh, other government organisations where you have a, a rostered day off. Uh, in the event you work that day off, there's a, a penalty applied uh, um, on that day to the, the person that, that works, so you're, you're eligible to an overtime payment. So mm. those overtime payments weren't paid. Mm. Mm. And, of course, in the meantime, Metro itself has received further increases in government revenue, even though its, uh, its performance targets weren't met. Yeah, uh, look, uh, we, we have a saying, Metro has one hand in the government's pocket and one hand in the pockets of their employees. <laughs> mm. uh, how much money is enough for them, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, what about um, preview, you know, drivers who've now retired or even, even are deceased? I imagine they're, um, they'd have, some of those families would have claims too. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that the statute only goes back six years, so we could yeah. only recover costs. Uh, up to the uh, within that six-year period, uh, the problem was when we set out on the investigation that the six years uh, kept moving uh, because we didn't initiate uh, 
uh, court proceedings. Once we initiate court proceedings, the six years stands in uh, stand still. So mm. it's oh, on okay. that date. Um, so that's why we had to initiate the six years because people kept falling outside of the uh, statute. Um, yeah. So uh, what it meant is that uh, Metro gets away with not having to pay uh, those affected people. We often say in these cases, Jim, that um, that you know that many of these back many of these back pay and direct um, theft of pay by employers is picked up by the the Fair Work Ombudsman because so many workers these days aren't in unions. But um, how come it took a fair while for you, obviously, to pick this up? Is it sort of uh, more it, subtle or something? Uh, no, it's a, it was a, a, a member that brought it to us. Um, uh, we're aware of the uh, um, the application of uh, payments and conditions uh, within an agreement uh, a bit more intimately uh, than our members. Uh, one astute member raised it, and uh, then discussion, uh, uh, you know, in the workplace led to more people reporting the underpayment. Um, and we thought it was a, a, a limited amount of people that were affected, but uh, it's it's almost the entire membership that's affected, which uh, mm. um, you know it's uh, it's astonishing to a certain extent. Yeah, mm. and I notice also at the same time the the union generally the the, the union broadly has put in a six percent pay rise, which has the Herald Sun completely very upset about this. Yeah. Um, the government's imposing a two percent cap on pay rises for public servants, but doesn't this again raise, we mentioned it earlier, raise that fine line between the private companies and the government in terms of the public transport system? Oh, look, uh, I mean, everyone has competing objectives in, in, in the industry. Uh, we always uh, strive to do the best for our membership and, uh, uh, you know, everyone else that surrounds us uh, uh, try, tries to save as much money as they uh, possibly can. So for them it's a uh, about the bottom line, and for us, it's uh, ensuring that uh, our members are protected and uh, remunerated uh, according to the work they perform. Mm. Yet again, Metro said they were progressing in good faith. Um, that must cheer you up no end. Oh, look, they've they actually changed now. They've uh, lodged an application uh, to Fair Work as uh, it appears that they want uh, a tribunal to negotiate the uh, agreement on their behalf because uh, they don't um, have the capacity. Mm. <laughs> what, what, what capacity have they got? Well, I don't know. I think it's a prerequisite that you have no skills or experience to, to enter into bargaining. Can't help laughing uh, at that one, Jim. <laughs> right. Well, oh, poor little, poor little Metro. Yeah. What if someone said they haven't much capacity to run the system either? Would they? Would they agree with that? Oh, look. I think uh, you, you won't get much disagreement. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in terms of your workforce, and um, I mean, they're 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 the ham and the sandwich in many ways in terms of all this. But uh, what 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 is it like to work for Metro in in that sense, and um, you know how how workers feel about it? I think uh, uh, privatisation is. Uh uh, you know, has brought misery uh, uh, along with it. It's morale is probably at its lowest it's uh, it's ever been. Uh, um, I mean, uh, public transport is an essential uh, service. Uh, uh, people, uh, you know, understand that and they do their best to maintain the system and the service. But uh, Metro have a, a you know a, a very negative management philosophy amongst their workforce, where uh, they instil fear for raising any. Uh, issue that may affect uh, them as individuals or the, the entire workforce because they'll be targeted. And, you know, historically, uh, you know, Metro preach uh, one philosophy and uh, act, uh, you know, uh, the complete, in a complete opposite way. Mm. How will they be targeted, Jim, for raising issues? Uh, well, the performance management, I think that's the uh, fancy, uh, fancy word, yeah. uh, where um, there's issues in the workplace that they portray in a, a more severe light than they actually are. Uh, and they do they they do people by the numbers, so they'll just target an individual that uh, might be active in the workplace and, uh, you know, and then just uh, monitor them because they have the resources. And, you know, it, uh, it's one incident too many or, you know, one interview too many that uh, uh, sometimes costs them their jobs or puts the fear in them not to raise any issues. Yeah, right, and you've noticed that as a pattern. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially well. when it comes to safety. Well. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to raise is uh, safety and uh, how does safety interact with a uh, with a management style of uh, you know uh, leaning on the leaning on the workers. Oh, look, 
look, I think it's uh, uh, with Metro, it doesn't go beyond a glossy pamphlet. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll put the uh, KPIs up and uh, what they're doing, but uh, you know, that's that's just a, a you know a facade. Uh, how they actually uh, operate the business, uh, it's it's about the dollar, and that's uh, that's what they've always strived to achieve. Is uh, you know how do they increase uh, the profit margin? Are you are you aware of any safety breaches that have happened lately, Jim? I'm 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 aware of a few. I mean, it goes from uh, uh, you know 2015 when we had uh, incidents with uh, uh, train equipment exploding on the train, uh, and uh, it's gone beyond that. We've had uh, people that uh, work on the overhead, which is the overhead uh, lines that uh, trains run off, that have almost been electrocuted. There's been uh, court proceedings initiated against Metro in that. Uh, to the incident that occurred at Ainton, where there's now a, a member of the public deceased that, uh, unfortunately, there was a driver that was criminally charged and uh, uh, they were dropped and uh, Mitchell was subsequently tra- charged. Yeah, yeah that, wow. was, that was particularly um, awful incident, that one. Yeah, um, yeah. And, um, and again, it seemed to get very tangled up in, in the court system and everything else. Yeah. Mm. And uh, uh, I don't think the res- any of the resolutions have been very satisfactory. No, no, and that's. I mean, it, it, it's uh, you know, it, uh, people uh, or organisations uh, uh, will do whatever they believe they can get away with, and it's big business to manage liabilities, and uh, you know, not to actually deal with them, and that's what uh, they appear to be uh, successful at: is managing liabilities and not being proactive. Speaking of what they can get away with, um, John here points out regularly that they the same company runs a super efficient system in Hong Kong, but it can't seem to do the same in Melbourne. Is it? Is it a matter of how government keeps an eye on it or whatever? Oh, I think uh, uh, I think there's a number of issues. Uh, uh, Hong Kong, they had a blank canvas where they could uh, develop a system. Um, we've had a system that's. Uh, uh, required investment over a number of years, and we're seeing uh, uh, the current government investing uh, uh, you know, billions of dollars in the system. Um, but it's going to take a number of years and the investment targeted, uh, you know, in the right way to improve the system. Uh, Metro, uh, you know, they're just a facilitator, uh, but all they seem to do is uh, uh, softening the money back to their shareholders and uh, to the uh, to the uh, overall MTR, which is the, the company. Mm-hmm. So you you you're not impressed by their investment. Um, we uh, from outside we get the feeling that the um, government keeps handing them extra investment dollars, and uh, we wonder how much they're supposed to invest just from their normal uh, revenue stream, and we wonder whether they invest any from that, or whether on the whole they wait for the government to come up with special special project investment. I think the uh, whole uh, maintenance, infrastructure maintenance and uh, the train maintenance regime is about, uh, uh, they call it sweating the infrastructure and sweating the uh, the trains where you run it to the absolute capacity. Yeah. So where, it doesn't sound very safe, does it? No, no. So in the past where there was preventative maintenance uh, regime on infrastructure and on trains, uh, that doesn't occur. It's uh, You run it to the point where it breaks uh, or to the point where... Uh, you know, it's at its maximum where you you maintain it or you you, yeah. you replace it. Well, that's not proactive, uh, but it maximises your, your or reduces your your costs associated with uh, those types of tasks on, on the network. But it does nothing for maintaining a reliable, efficient service. I'd say they wouldn't dare do that in Hong Kong. No, because the screams the screams from you know from the uh, from the travelling public would be so huge they'd. Uh, They'd be cringing in the corner. Yeah, look, yeah. if there's a train that's a, a minute late, there's yeah. outrage in Hong Kong. <laughs> yes. uh, I think uh, in Victoria they're conditioned if uh, yes. uh, a train turns up, they're, they're, that's you right. know, they're content. Fairly grateful, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I live on the upfield line, so I don't, I'm, not, I'm just going to say anything. Um, we, we have a holiday timetable 24 all, all year, 365 days a year we get the holiday timetable. It's wonderful. Um, but... Um, the impact on, um, well, I was going to say, the, the last round two years ago, 18 months or so ago, when the government re-signed the contracts, and at that time the union was striving to have the government, um, in fact, take the whole whole public transport system back into public hands, I imagine the union is uh, still campaigning to have that happen next time at least. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, ultimately we want someone to be accountable. Um, uh, uh, you know, the system isn't at its best. 
Um, sure, it's uh, it's expanded, but uh, you, you have to be able to cope and provide a service. So I don't think that's uh, happened for a number of years. Uh, and privatisation hasn't done anything to improve that model. Uh, it's just deteriorated. Uh, uh, you know, the investment will, will, will go somewhat to fixing uh, uh, the deficiencies, but uh, you know, it's got to be uh, managed appropriately, which is not currently being managed properly. Yeah. And just to finish up, uh, Jim, um, on a, one we often talk about again and we refer, almost referred to it about 10 questions ago, but uh, drivers themselves, the Hayington incident, the incident at Hampton last week, um, and even on commercial news I noticed they were, they were showing shots of near misses where people have just been missed by trains. All those impacts on drivers are pretty incredible, aren't they? Oh, they, they do have an impact. Uh, you know, I, I come from the uh, driving grade myself and um, I've experienced those, uh, those incidents and uh, they're not nice. Yeah, you, 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 you do as, uh, as much as you can uh, to seek support and uh, uh, move past it, but you never actually forget it, uh, irrespective of uh, uh, why the individual is there. Um, some are more mm. difficult than others, mm. but, um, uh, uh, you know, they take their toll. Um, uh, I think, uh, you know, the ones that happen... Um, uh, that uh, weren't intentional uh, affect people uh, greater uh, than uh, you know uh, mm. the ones where mm. it was actually intentional. Yeah. So mm. the, the one out of Hampton was the unintentional. Yeah. The, um, the driver still wasn't returned back to work, so it's, wow. it's affected him uh, greatly. And are there any support services available for drivers who go through that sort of stuff, counselling oh, or what have you? Yeah, look, there's uh, trauma counselling, uh, initial trauma counselling available within the organisation, but most uh, drivers seek their own. Um, uh, uh, counsellors or uh, uh, you know uh, mental health specialists, just because there's a separation from uh, yeah. those health practitioners and and the workplace, uh, they feel more comfortable approaching it in that manner. Mm. Uh, but there's no uh, right path to take uh, to uh, overcome it. Uh, mm. uh, if there was, uh, we'd have a you know a, a model in place to to accommodate those sort of traumatic incidents. But mm. um, you know each incident has its own. Uh, impact on the individual and the circumstances can be uh, 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 you know emphasized uh, a lot more if uh, if there's things happening outside of work or if the person uh, is now deceased uh, you know uh, might resemble uh, some of your circumstances outside of work whether it's there's kids involved or sure. whether, uh, mm-hmm. you know it's uh, elderly uh, uh, people crossing the tracks or whatever the case may be but mm. um, you know it, it happens too frequently uh, and the ones that are unintentional we just uh, ask people to take a bit more care when they're uh, around the uh, rail network uh, because people seem to be uh, in more of a rush nowadays. I know there's a lot of uh, work uh, around the network, uh, people rushing from buses to catch trains, and they sometimes they don't pay uh, attention to where they're walking and, some, uh, and, you know, they're in front of the train a lot of the time. Yeah. All right, Jim, mm. look, thanks for that, and good luck with the court case anyway. We hope Not you can knock them off. Okay. Thanks, thanks a lot. Jim. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Jim Christostomy there, who's the um, he's the assistant secretary of the locomotive division. Mm, he John, was um, yeah. yeah, very very interesting, very what's the word? Um, considered. Yeah, 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 very much so. And mm. um, John, I just had a couple of things I did want to raise with you though. Um, yes, one, Kevin. One is, well, one is you probably <coughs> noticed that um, on some of those roads out in Doncaster Way or whatever, the buses are in fact being not been taken off, but the bus lanes are going to be given over to cars as well, which is going to slow buses down. I mean, they were the bus lanes were put in out there, Williamson's Road, that part of the world. Oh, okay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The um, the in fact, um, here we are. Train starved suburbs to now lose bus lanes. Um, the lanes were were double for cyclists, which also double give priority mm-hmm. nearly 400 buses a day. This includes the Melbourne busiest bus route, Smart Buses 901, etc., mm. which carry nearly 13,000 people daily. But in fact, the bus lanes are going to be opened up now to cars, um, and of course, this is to do with other works going on, other roadworks, etc. To uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Um, what this isn't going to be a permanent well, thing. Is that who the, knows? I well, mean, it's, yes. It's, well. It's, it's, it, who knows? But. Mm. Um, mm. It's just that once again, mm. something that was set up to at least make buses get people to trains faster, etc., yeah. is now being yeah. taken away. And the current, uh, I noticed Daniel Bowen from the Transport Users Association 
he makes the point. Mm. Um, if buses run slower, means some passengers will go up and drive instead, making traffic worse for everyone. The decision is yeah. very disappointing, etc., etc. Yeah, well, that's well. Of course, uh, I would agree with Daniel on that one. Um, the uh, the thing is, a bus can carry you know fifty fifty passengers in the space of that three cars take up on the road, um, and so you know if you if you're worried about congestion and uh, slowing the traffic down, traffic down, encouraging all those bus people on buses to even think about getting back into their cars would seem to be very counterproductive. Yeah, it sure would. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the government spokesman said these thing intersection improvements along with changes to bus lanes will improve the efficiency of these intersections and help keep all traffic moving through Eltham. Yeah, well, um, that's that's um, gobbledy, gobbledygook bubblegum speak as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> 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 it's what they say every every day, every time. Right. Can I? Can I? Everything para- smooths. Can, the can I paraphrase yeah. that to you? Don't agree, John. <laughs> you may. I right. think that was a, that was a no, a hard no from John. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's one. Yep. And again, there's a study coming out of RMIT which mm-hmm. suggests that more shops and apartment blocks should be built around suburban train stations to encourage walking and restore and reduce car dependency. Yeah. But again, the. Um, um, Dr. Gunn, what's her name again? Uh, Lucy Gunn, who's mm-hmm. the head researcher of the study. Um, she say, she makes the obvious point that we've made so many times. Ideally, you want to turn, turn up and go service where transport comes frequently and people don't have to wait a long time for a train, bus or tram to turn up. Um, but she says for some stations, much more could be done with car parking, etc. But, yeah. Mm. But, uh, well, that was an interesting thing about my few days in Sydney was the noticeably more frequent um, frequent trains on, mm. on the lines I used, anyhow, even off-peak. And they have longer trains than us, don't they? Yeah, yeah, but that's not really, yeah. We'll get, get they more do people carry, than each they train. Have, they massive, they yeah. have massive double-deck trains, yeah. yeah. But they turn up more frequently on the lines I was using, certainly off-peak. Yeah. And um, that, was, that was impressive. It really was a turn-up-and-go service and... Uh, on one or two of the bus routes that I used, it was the same thing. They, they were on main roads, admittedly, but the buses were coming even... Well, buses came regularly, mm, frequently. Well, frequently. You know, not regularly, yeah. but no, frequently. Well, ours come regularly, but once an hour. <laughs> <laughs> these, these were, these were you know, mid-evening buses heading towards, towards the city, and they were, they were still coming you know, mm. every five minutes sort of thing, oh, you know, yeah. which you'd, you'd, you'd struggle to find many... Services like that in Melbourne. Yeah. Well, it makes the point in that story about the buses, of course, that these are the highest used buses in Melbourne, but that's because mm. there's no other public transport in that part of the world, of course. Well, well, that's, not much. well, that's, well that's true, um, but it's, it still yeah. means <laughs> the, still the same arguments apply. Why aren't they being given the yeah. priority they deserve? Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. I like no. this idea of building high density around train stations, though. I think that could be great. Yeah, well, it's been, it's been accepted in the planning, planning world scheme. for 20 years. 20 years and mm. maybe even in in the government world for, <laughs> for 10 years that, it, yeah. that it's a good idea. Uh, but I, I've also heard warnings lately that, oh, if you build all these this high-rise around stations, you'll overwhelm our poor little public transport system. Well, that, oh, could, be, that mm. could be true too. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, it seems, seems, seems like we might go from, you know, not enough public transport to, uh, you know... Not enough mm. public transport. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where, where we've been going put any pressure on the government. John, we're, the we're way well, out of time, John. We've got to we go. Are, um, we? yeah, okay. and, um, Frequency forever, folks. Next week's Energy Week, and we'll be talking, I hope, to um, Dave Sweeney from um, Australian Conservation Foundation um, about the latest uranium mine opening and mm. various things like that. Mm. Okay. And, of course, stay tuned for the rest of the day for 3CR special May Day day-long May day. podcast uh, broadcast. Again, and once again to listeners, happy May Day and uh, enjoy mm. it. Go out and smash a few bosses or something. Happy, <laughs> happy May Day. <laughs> See you next week, everyone.